Hi, welcome to Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. I'm Chris. I'm Charlotte. We are the Pleasure Mechanics, and on this podcast, we have honest, candid, and soulful conversations about every facet of human sexuality. Come on over to pleasuremechanics.com to find our full podcast archive. And while you are there, sign up for our free online course, The Erotic Essentials, at pleasuremechanics.com slash free. Big thanks to our sponsor for this episode, cloneawilly.com. At cloneawilly.com, you can order a DIY at-home kit to make a beautiful silicone replica of your favorite genitals. Go to cloneawilly.com and use the code PLEASURE for 20% off your order. And we will share more about Clonawilly's offerings later on in this episode, including how to make a cock you can eat. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about owning your arousal. So this episode is in response to a few things, one of which is some of the early feedback we're getting from our podcast listener survey. So a quick reminder, if you have not already done so, please go to pleasuremechanics.com survey and fill out our five minute survey. Tell us what you love about the show. Tell us where we can do better. Tell us a little bit about yourself. And if you choose, leave your email address to enter to win a $350 toy box from our friends at Babeland or a complete pleasure mechanics course, all access pass. Um, This survey is really important to us to hear what is working for you, where we can do better, and to learn about what you all need from us. So pleasuremechanics.com slash survey. All right, so owning your arousal. Um, One of the things that came up in the survey that I want to talk about real quick is this idea, and people said it in a few different ways, but... When I hear you talk about what's possible, it makes me sad about where I'm at. Or when I hear you guys talk about all the love and all the pleasure that is possible, I just feel so alone and lonely and broken. And this is the last thing we want to be making you feel, but I totally get it. I totally understand. And for me, I have to think about what is our job in balancing kind of painting the picture of what is possible for human sexuality, what we have seen and felt and experienced in our long journey in exploring human sexuality, um, the ecstasy and the pleasure that I know our human sexual systems are capable of. So what is the duty in reporting that possibility while also really painting the picture and guiding you all, no matter where you are right now and acknowledging, and this is why it's so important for me to acknowledge that our sex culture has damaged all of us, has broken all of us, has left us all feeling lonely about our sexuality. And so I want to really together as a community figure out how to baby step our way towards that joy and ecstasy and belonging that is available to all of us. Right. No matter where we are, what are the small steps we can each take to open up more pleasure? No matter where, yeah, no matter what the 
And even this metaphor where we are on our journey, it's not linear. I had done 10 years of exploring the outer limits of ecstasy and healing my body from trauma. And then I got sick and I felt in many ways I was knocked down to a different place in my journey and my path. And I had to start again in so many ways. Having a child changes where we are. So it's not this linear, like, oh, wherever you are in your path, I am more enlightened than you, which drives me nuts when other sex educators do that and kind of have this, like, I am more enlightened attitude, follow me kind of thing. Like, that's not what we're about. What we're about is investigating together, reporting on the strategies and techniques and attitudes that have worked not only for us, but for the thousands of people we are in dialogue with. And you all are included in that. And so when I say at the end of every episode, let us know how this works for you, be in touch with us. The feedback I get from you all listening and doing these strategies and changing the way you're having sex, changing the way you're thinking about sex, that dialogue is what informs this work. And we've been in this dialogue with people for 15, 20 years. I've been doing this like in-depth hands-on sex education work and we're just deepening. We're just continuing in that together. And especially as this podcast audience grows, we are now thousands and thousands of people around the world in dialogue about sexuality and pleasure and how to move into another place together. So if you feel a little bit of sadness and loneliness and stuckness, you're in the right place. Join us and let's move through this together. Let's investigate what are the ways, what are the daily actions we can take to feel differently about our sexuality. That's the goal. That's the mission. That's the project of Pleasure Mechanics and you are part of it. All right. So today we want to talk about owning your arousal. And this is a framework of attitude that for me is super important and I think changes the game of sexuality. So what a lot of us are taught about sexual arousal is that it is an experience that we feel when something in the external world makes us feel aroused. It's something done to us. We see a sexy person, that sexy person smiles at us, that sexy person touches us, and something in us is lit up, is turned on. Um, There is something very passive about the way we talk about arousal, like we are all waiting for our Prince Charming to choose us and then light us up with sexuality. And paired with this idea is a certain kind of loneliness and suffering that happens when you feel aroused and don't have anyone to share it with or don't have that um, relationship with a person that turns you on and then you feel lonely in your arousal. And that can feel very depleting and depressing and isolating. So how instead do we think about arousal? So my theory is arousal is an internal experience that is yours, that is your generated fuel to be used and enjoyed by you. It's an internal experience, very much in relationship and in dialogue to the external world. But like all of our emotions, it's an internal experience. Yeah, this is such a different way of understanding and framing arousal and turn on when we think of it as something that we are responsible for, that we 
create in our own bodies, that there are external stimuli that can evoke a feeling within our own body, but that it's not their responsibility to do anything with our turn on, that it is something that we cultivate and create. And we can be intentional about that, or it can be something that just sparks us and surprises us with a little bit of a internal feeling. So what is that internal feeling of arousal? Let's talk about first, what does it mean to get aroused? What does it mean to notice that you're aroused? And then what do we do with it? This is the process I think about of owning your arousal is first noticing it and being able to pay attention to it, then mapping it and understanding how arousal works for you specifically, what turns on arousal and then what does arousal create in your body and then how to put it to use. What do you do with getting aroused? What do you do as an aroused person in this world um, without making it, as you said, other people's sloppy problems to clean up for you? All right. So how do you be an ethically aroused person is another way to think about this. All right. So the feeling of arousal is very much an internal experience. And to understand this, we need to think about the senses. So often when we think about the five senses, touch, taste, smell, hearing, sight, these are the senses that are part of our extraception, the sensing of the outside world. But we also have the superpower of interoception, the sensing of the internal world, the ability to feel what's going on inside your body is a human superpower that we don't talk about enough. And that is so related to the sexual experience. And this is a place that kind of in my private studies, I'm super geeking out on I'm really excited about right now, I'm going to try to keep it brief. Um, But this particular experience of feeling what's going on inside your body, and how does that relate to sexuality? So if we think about hunger, how do you know when you're hungry? How do you know when you're hungry? You might feel a gurgling or a grumbling. Some people become aware of their blood sugar falling and a feeling of like hunger that courses throughout their body. Some people feel it more in their mouth. How do you know when you're hungry? And how does that feeling build? How does it build from kind of a little gurgle to the all out raging, hangry, I need to eat right now. Equally, how do you know when you have to go to the bathroom? What signals does your body send to your brain that triggers the thought, I have to pee? These are parts of your interoception. These are your skills of interoception. And it's something we take for granted until it's not there. If you lose the ability to tell when you have to pee, you will notice that interruption of your superpowers. Right alongside these skills of feeling when you're hungry, feeling when you have to pee, um, being able to feel your heart rate. So can you tell how fast or slow your heart is beating? Can you tell when you are getting angry? Can you tell when you are getting anxious? Can you tell when you are getting aroused? Right. So the ability to feel an internal process in motion is a superpower that we can cultivate and develop. And the absence of these skills is when we tend to pay attention. And there's a lot of research going on about interoception right now because of autism. And autism is one of the ways they're thinking about it now is it's an 
impairment of the ability to feel what's going on inside your body. And this includes that emotional regulation. So the ability to feel and regulate when you're getting angry, when you're getting anxious, when you're getting sad. So how does this relate to sex? The ability to feel when you're getting aroused. So for most people, you notice this arousal when it's at its extreme. And for men, sometimes this is when the penis gets erect, when your pussy floods with desire, when your genitals are throbbing, when your heart is pumping, when your skin is flushed. Can you identify the extreme embodiment of your arousal? And then how do we develop the skill of paying attention to arousal at earlier and earlier stages as it builds, as it is initiated in the body, and then we can pay attention to what arouses us? Are you with me? (laughs) Yes, and then we can become curious about what is arousing us at the very low levels, the the fluttering, the flickering, the what are the feelings that you feel in your body? And you can begin practicing this by noticing um, when you're feeling hungry, when you need to pee, just beginning to train yourself to pay attention to the internal sensations in your body and just be curious. Mm -hmm. You are just learning about how to feel more inside your body in all ways. And in the labs, one of the things they do is they have you pay attention to your heartbeat. And this is one of the ways they map and measure how reliable your interoception is. So can you tell how fast your heart is beating? And then they do these cool things where they play music that resonates with your heartbeat or not. And can you tell if the music matches your heartbeat? Um, so how do you map that external and internal synchronicity is such a beautiful thing they're studying. Um, but if it feels like we're slipping meditation in on you, we are, this is all part of that mindful sex category of paying attention to your body and being curious about what is possible for you sexually when you start paying attention to your body, when you start paying attention to arousal and then start working with it on purpose and start building it on purpose, start expanding your capacity on purpose. What happens when you make this something you practice? And that's where the practice of meditation is super valuable and powerful because you're literally taking a few minutes to pay attention to the sensations in your body and quieting everything else so that you can sense and feel. And in that you're developing the skills, you're, you're cultivating a practice and you are strengthening the ability to feel. And that is powerful. So I want to continue talking about this process of owning your arousal What do we do with it once we notice arousal in our body? But I want to take a minute and thank our sponsors for this episode, cloneawilly.com. Cloneawilly.com offers DIY kits using all of the highest quality body safe materials so you can create a replica of your own genitals or your lover's genitals at home. So they give you the highest quality molding materials, the highest quality silicone, and all of the materials so you basically make a cast molding of your favorite penis or vulva. 
And if you do this with silicone, you can then insert a vibrator and have basically a working vibrating dildo cast off of a penis. For a vulva, you get a silicone replica of the labia and the clitoris. What another fun option is you can do this with chocolate. Because <laughs> why not? And I think this is a brilliant idea if you want to make a chocolate penis for or a chocolate vulva. I think a chocolate vulva would be brilliant, personally. Um, so there are silicone kits. There are chocolate kits. There are glow-in-the-dark kits. Um, this company is a really fun company that really just wants to offer you a great experience at home. They've put a lot of thought and design into it. They were a Hollywood special effects studio and then had to make hundreds of penises for a, like a B movie they were working on. And it was the process of making all of those prop penises that gave them the idea for this company. I think it's so brilliant. Thank you to clonawilly.com. Go explore their offerings and bring this experience home. It will be one you do not forget soon, I promise. <laughs> clonawilly.com. Use the code PLEASURE for 20% off. And thanks to Clona Willy for making this podcast episode possible. This also reminds me of a really interesting study that Meredith Chivers did where they studied women's turn-on, women's arousal, and how connected their mind was to whether or not their body was physically showing signs of turn-on. Was there lubrication? Was there heat? Was there... Um, engorgement. Engor yeah, yeah, all of those... And if that was happening, what did their brain report that they were turned on or not? And what they discovered was that so many women were, were experiencing physical turn-on, but their brains were saying that they were not. And there's really powerful information in this for us to process and to understand that we perhaps don't give ourselves permission to to feel turned on. We don't allow ourselves due to cultural shaming, due to what does it mean to be a good girl, to be a sexual woman, all of these cultural questions that influence and impact the connection between the brain and the body. Well, and that brings us to the interpretation of the sensation, right? So when we feel hunger in our bellies, most of us can feel those sensations and then the brain knows time to eat. Oh, you're feeling hungry. Oh, you haven't eaten since breakfast. Like we can map a narrative to make sense of those feelings. For some people, those narratives are then clouded by diet culture. You shouldn't be hungry yet. Why are you feeling hungry? All of the diet culture and the fat phobia um, impair those narratives for some of us, right? Or the social context of our hunger matters for how we think about the signals from our stomach. Likewise, and to a much greater degree for most of us, how we think about our arousal, how the brain interprets these signals matters. And so what happens when you're out in the world and you get aroused? What happens when you see someone sexy, when you remember a sexy story? For some people, it's a smell memory will evoke a sexy recollection. Um, so it can be internal, it can be external. What happens when you load porn and you start watching porn? your body will start getting aroused and then your brain interprets those signals. And that is, again, where the magic happens. Are you feeling aroused and interpreting that as, 
what a joyful experience this is. Oh, this is such a pleasurable, fun experience. Oh, that person is really wonderful in the world. And I'm going to use this as fuel and connection and pleasure in my body. Or are you feeling aroused and feeling like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. And what's wrong with me that I'm having these thoughts? And oh, this isn't the right time to be thinking that. And oh, that my wife wouldn't appreciate me. And oh, I'm such a pervert for thinking this. Like, what are your thoughts about the feelings? Right? Because we have the feelings, and then we have our thoughts about the feelings, and our expectations about the thoughts about the feelings, and all of these layers. So as we pull that apart, and again, this is that work of mindfulness and non-judgment. But as we pull these thoughts apart, what is revealed is that for most of us, the experience of arousal is not um, a clean, permissive, positive relationship. There is work to be done to excavate the feelings of shame and judgment and fear about uh, what our arousal means. So many of us have not lived lives where it is safe to be aroused. And then when we're in bed with our loved one, when we have that date night, when we have the opportunity to get aroused, we're confused about why it doesn't come so easily. But how are you walking around the world? How are you interpreting your arousal? How are you thinking about your sexual feelings? Is it with judgment and shame and shutdown and fear? Or is it an expansive, permissive relationship? Just yesterday, we were meeting with our daughter's new school. And it's this small school that's just starting up. And we have the opportunity to talk about what is the sex education curriculum going to be? And I was so moved when the director of the school said, what I want them to feel is dignity, is dignity. And how do we think about these little children now growing up into sexual dignity? Um, And so we need to give ourselves that gift now, because for most of us, we did not grow up with sexual dignity intact. You know what I'm talking about. Um... So how do we give ourselves that gift now? And that's the work of owning your arousal. So as you feel aroused, this three-step process, feeling it, so developing your interoceptive capacity to feel your internal states. And this means feeling all of your emotions, feeling your internal states, and then self-regulating, being able to be in an active dialogue with your internal states. It's a very powerful skill that people spend their lifetime developing. Um, Let's do it together. Let's figure out how this impacts sexuality. Um, So developing the ability to notice it, mapping it, what arouses you, and then what does arousal cause? What does arousal do to your body? What does it do to your heart rate? What does it do to your mouth? What does it do to your pussy? What does it do to your penis? What does it do to your anus? And becoming aware of these things then gives us so much information as we walk out in the world. Um, And we can use that then. So then that third step is using your arousal, putting it to use for you. And this is a beautiful place of, I think we're just beginning to explore this question because sexual arousal has been shut down and limited and oppressed for so long. Like what happens when there's an abundance of it and we know how to ethically use it? What is possible then? And so for me, what I notice when I am in a good place, and I'm not always in a good place, when I'm in a good place with my sexuality, with my body, um, when I get aroused, what it feels like is fuel. 
And this is why when we made our pleasure mechanic stickers for our patrons, one of our little slogans we put on the stickers is pleasure is fuel. Because how do we use this joy, the excitement, the energy, that arousal, that sexual desire can bring us and then use it to fuel the rest of our days? Give us a little bit extra swagger in our step, a little extra energy. And this doesn't even mean having sex, having an orgasm. It can just be feeling that arousal, feeling that quickening that sexual arousal can bring us in this world. And then how do we use that? What is the function of that? I think that's a really exciting place to think about. Um, How do we bring that into our work, into our creative pursuits, but then also into our relationships? How do I bring that home to Charlotte and show up for her with some extra energy because I was out in the world harvesting my arousal, harvesting my pleasure, noticing what made me feel good and connected and alive in the world? But these are also where you have to have so many ethical boundaries around how you are using this fuel. Um, We need to be clear that we can have this experience inside our own body, that it is ours, but then we don't put it on other people. We don't make it other people's responsibility. We are our own being feeling a little bit more turned on, a little bit more alive and we keep our boundaries intact and channel that eroticism and that turn on where it makes sense in our own lives. As you said, in work, in serving our partner, in showing up for your family in a more powerful, uh, lit up way. Um, But it is really important not to misuse it. Mm. And that is obviously a much bigger conversation, mm. but just, I just want to, when you're saying harvesting your pleasure, mm-hmm. um, we need to name the boundaries of that. Yeah, totally. And I feel like that is why I call it owning your desire, owning your arousal, because it's this internal experience that then can be circulated and shared ethically on purpose. It doesn't splash out and spill out in these messy ways because we have this internal relationship with it. So just like we can experience hunger and then take appropriate steps to get ourselves fed, and we should say here sex is not a drive, hunger is a drive towards survival. There is no such thing as a sex drive. We do not need sex to survive, but rather sex is a system in the body that drives us towards positive outcomes is how we understand it now, right? So it drives us towards connection, belonging, joy, pleasure, physical release of stress. It builds our immunity. Sexual pleasure gives us all these positive outcomes when we are in right relationship to it. Amen. And I think this is like, it's like, again, how do we do the work of recognizing what I more and more like we can map what human sexuality is intended for, how it lives and thrives as human social beings. But we also need to talk about the reality of how we experience it. And when most people experience arousal out in the world, this is what I was saying before, it's not a clean relationship. So the work here is to feel your arousal and then be like, oh, why do I feel shame based about that? Is it because my wife isn't getting enough attention? Is it because I feel like distracted from work? Like, what is the shame about? Start working that away and start being in a cleaner relationship 
to this force that can drive us to this force that lives within us. Um, I've also been thinking a lot. There's a movie coming out about gay conversion therapy. I saw the trailer the other day in a completely packed theater and was bawling during the trailer. So I'm a little nervous to see the movie. Um, but in the podcast I've been listening to about this movie, they're talking about what it's like to live in a complete state of gay shame, being told that all of your desires are sinful, will take you to hell, like that complete belief that your sexuality is a portal to hell and shame and exclusion and being kicked out of your community and everything you know, when the gay folks describe this experience, it feels so familiar. And I think we all need to pay attention to their reports of this experience because it feels so familiar because so many of us are taught that our sexuality is something to be ashamed of, a secret to guard, a dirty part of us, a burden we have to bear. And living with that as a sexuality and the arousal, when that is aroused, that is not a positive experience. When you experience your sexuality as something that is joyful and connecting and brings you love and pleasure, like the arousal of that, the activation of that can be a very positive thing. So how we experience arousal is a very poignant mirror into how we experience and live our sexual social lives. Yes, yeah, so it's important to do what we need to do to make sure when we feel arousal that that can be a positive experience. Depending on our experience and our history, there'll be going to be different levels of unpacking to do to have that clear experience of a positive, to have that positive experience of arousal. But for instance, there are many people who are in relationships where one person has way more turn on arousal interest in sexuality than the other person. And with that, sometimes a person can feel bad about feeling turned on and aroused and not sure what to do with it. And that, and this is what we were talking about. This is what we want to give you a window into letting yourself feel permission to feel that turn on. It's okay to feel that aroused. And then you have to figure out what to do with it if your partner is not interested in a way that suits your your marriage vows or your relationship agreements. But you don't have to feel bad about feeling turned on. So what are some things to do with it? So the easiest thing is you masturbate with it. You channel that erotic energy into a fantasy, into an embodied experience for yourself that you feel proud of that you feel good about right. whether that's watching ethical porn see the other podcasts we've done on ethical porn watching or whatever whatever you whatever you like to do but but have that be a good experience not something that is shameful and embarrassing or feels bad to you in any way right it's like a positive experience for your body and how do you get to the point where you feel like a good masturbation session it's like a good session at the gym yeah like yes i just did something awesome for myself i right? feel good i feel alive i just invested 20 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it is into my own health and well-being how do we feel about that for masturbation Another thing you can do with erotic energy, though, is you can channel it. So when you feel aroused, you feel that erotic energy rising. If your partner is feeling depleted, if your partner is busier than you, if your partner has more caretaking burdens, you channel it into serving them and not from a selfless place, but from a relational place of 
I have this extra unit of energy. I'm going to devote it to you. And that might be brewing you a cup of tea. That might be giving you a foot massage. That might be sitting with you on the couch and laughing with you. That might be going for a walk. Might be cooking you dinner. It might be giving you head, right? Whatever fits, whatever unit of energy your partner can receive in that moment, you give in that moment. And you know then that you are feeding the relationship. And the part of the interoception and of this like biochemical energy field we run that I did not geek out on this time is how we biomatch one another. And then we'll do another episode on that because it's amazing and the implications of it are amazing. But <laughs> the mini version of that is the people you are in closest relationship to, your body syncs up with. And this is not an esoteric idea. It's a thing that you can measure with gadgets. It's <laughs> that, a physical reality. it's real. <laughs> we can feel it. We can measure it. We can name it. And so what that means is if you are in relationship with someone, if you are choosing to be in a family with someone, your sexual energy and their sexual energy is in relationship to one another at all times. So all of the work we do of helping one another release shame, all of the work we do of affirming one another's bodies and celebrating one another, building that celebration of reverence we were talking about, all of that is for all of you. It's for the relationship. It's for both of you as individuals. It's for the family, for the community, right? This is not selfish. And it is not selfish to feel your extra arousal, right? What is selfish is to shut that down and turn it toxic. (sighs) It's not selfish to have arousal, to feel that energy and then devote it. Devote it into your work, into your creative pursuits, Sign up for that woodworking class, <laughs> make it happen, right? Like the erotic as energy, the erotic as fuel, pleasure as fuel. What happens when we adopt this attitude and excavate all that shame so it can be like clean burning fuel for our lives? Oh, I love that. That is so clear. Okay. So we will work with this idea. And in the coming year, we are going to be developing more opportunities for this to be more of an active dialogue because from the survey results I love hearing that our ideas are reaching you that you're resonating that you like spending time with us like we are in a relationship you and I you and us and we want to cultivate that relationship and make it more three-dimensional and activate some of these strategies in your real lives in more tangible ways and then hear from you the impact of that. So we're going to put systems in place to have that dialogue. For now, thank you for listening. Pleasuremechanics.com slash survey. Sound off on how we're doing. We are listening. Um, Thank you for all those who have done that patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics p-a-t-r-e-o-n patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics sign up as a monthly sponsor and you get bonus episodes ad free podcast episodes and a direct connection to us um and yeah patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics pleasure mechanics.com slash survey find us engage with us. We are here for you. We are so with you in this exploration of how to make sexuality a more vital, vibrant, positive part of your life. 
We are devoted to this question and we are grateful that you are in conversation with us. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week. I'm Chris. I'm Charlotte. We are the Pleasure Mechanics. Wishing you a lifetime of pleasure. Cheers. Cheers.